Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazar. And it feels good to end the year on a W, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, I know that there was probably a lot of, or at least a bit of disappointment from small parts of the fan base about, you know, not making it further, which I mean, it's fair to be disappointed about it, but I did see especially closer to the end of the season and further away from the game actually happening. People being pretty down the dumps about just going to Pop-Tarts Bowl, but I, I still think ending the season with a victory is just so huge. It's mainly for the fan base, if anything else, because now we're going to have positive offseason discourse. Last year was kind of an exception because we lost to Bama, and I don't really uh, – like, that, that went how it should have. And we had the Big 12 title to go with it, so we could uh, lean on something else. But, no, ending the year with a victory is awesome, especially against a quality opponent. Yeah, exactly. A quality opponent in a number 18 in the country ranked – NC State, albeit without the uh, probably the best defensive player in the country, or at least one of the best defensive players in the country. And, you know, you also get that alongside uh, their nose tackle opting out. So their defense was a little bit weakened, but that doesn't take away from a 28 to 19 Wildcat victory and one life size devoured Pop Tart, which has captured the heart of America. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was completely ready to be disappointed. Uh, by the uh, Pop-Tart thing. Like, I was totally ready for it to be a complete gimmick. Uh, but they really kind of went all out with it. Like, they really did a good job, I think, uh, building it up and not having it be just a complete letdown. The only thing they could have done that would have made it better would have been if it was still, like, someone else in, like, a different Pop-Tart costume walking around, but it was still <laughs> edible. That maybe would have been a little too morbid. But, like... Yeah. No, but, it's their dream to be eaten, Connor. Yes, yeah, he had the sign that, that dreams really do come true. They they were leaning into that, and <laughs> I, I I liked it. I, it seemed like they had a lot of fun uh, with their marketing for it, which I really appreciated. That's part of the fun of bowl season is kind of some of the ridiculous nature of it. And so yeah, I, I was happy. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I was really happy with that. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. But the other, there are two major storylines to go into other than, you know, the Pop-Tart and the fact that we won. We'll start with a positive of the two first, and that is Avery Johnson making his debut. In terms of raw stats, Connor, I'll let you get the advanced analytics, but I'll take the raw stats. He was 14 for 31, 178 yards, two picks, and uh, adding 71 in a touchdown on the ground on seven attempts. Not a lot of pure rushing attempts, which you and I, I say you and I like we're special in this regard. No, everyone had heard that he wanted to be more of a passing quarterback. He didn't want to be treated as, as a running quarterback. He wanted to be treated as a true dual threat and someone who can be a, have a threat with his arm. First things first, uh, yeah, he has a missile for an arm. Like he, he is just dropping seeds just every time that he throws the ball. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, it was even better than I was expecting in terms of raw arm talent. Like it, it was 
it's been a little strange to adjust to that because I do think Will had a little bit of a better arm than people gave him credit for, but he wasn't like a 99 arm strength quarterback. He wasn't that type of person. It didn't fly off his hand like it does with Avery. And with, with Avery, it's just very natural. It's very fluid. And it, it really pops out of his hand. It, it's different than it is with a lot of other K-State quarterbacks uh, that we've seen. Some quarterbacks just kind of have it like that, but where they have a really live arm. Uh, other QBs like that, I've like uh, Arizona's quarterback, Fafita, uh, he um, had a really live arm as well. I thought he was just slaying it. Uh, and, but Avery, his arm looked really great too. Uh, and maybe got let down a little bit by receivers at times. We can unpack, we can unpack that a little more. But all in all, the, it was a very promising debut. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way that I would describe it is a, is a promising debut, especially given all the physical attributes that he showed, and even a few mental attributes where, Connor, I hope you're ready for a revival of an old meme where up to this point, the best play call from an Avery Johnson quarterback the game was made by Avery Johnson twice at the line, checking to a little seam ball to DJ Giddens on an all-out blitz, and then a slot fade to Jace Brown in the red zone. So, you know, revival of the old meme. But, yeah, Avery, the only complaints that I have with Avery, and I'll elaborate a little bit more whenever we actually get into the game day grades, is there it's just true freshman stuff really is the only complaints that i had about his game but connor you have the advanced analytics that say he even has he has an even better game than maybe even i'm giving him credit for yeah i think really taking a look at some of the deeper numbers um will exemplify that he and really underline that he had a much better game than i think it appears just based off the raw stats. Because, I mean, you look at 14 to 31, and that's that's nothing special. That's very, very pedestrian, even below average. Although no no picks and two touchdowns is always good. Hi, Maple. And <laughs> he uh, didn't complete any deep passes, which is one thing. But he also was throwing the ball away a lot. Uh, he was under pressure only 23.5% of the time. Uh, but he was 0 of 6 on that, but that was five throwaways. So five throwaways, that's just five times where nobody's getting open for him. And he ended up throwing it six, throwing it away six times throughout the game. His drop percentage uh, was 17.6%. So on accurate passes that he made that should have been caught by a receiver, uh, three of those accurate passes ended up being dropped. Uh, so he ends up with an adjusted completion percentage of over 70%, 70.8. Uh, so it, I think it says a lot uh, about the sort of game that he had. There were some pretty brutal drops at times. Jaden Jackson dropped a really good ball uh, at one point. Um, there was another receiver in the area, but I originally thought that they like bumped into each other or something, but he still should have made the grab. And that was a, a pretty it wasn't the easiest catch in the world, but it was nowhere near unattainable at all. And it was, it was catchable completely. Um, Garrett Oakley 
unfortunately <laughs> had a rough drop on a tight end screen on a third down. Uh, I really liked what we were trying to do with the screen game because there were multiple times that it definitely should have worked, but either a drop or a, a, a penalty uh, end up calling it back. And it, the, I like what we were trying to do there, but we just couldn't quite get it to work. But Avery throwing the ball wasn't perfect. He missed a few. Uh, he had a slight overthrow to Jace on the first drive, I think it was. It would have been like a 50-yard bomb, but it was just yeah. a little too far. Yeah. Um, Keegan had um, a few decent moments. He may have had a drop, though. I can't recall. Um, but all in all, it was a pretty okay game. Uh, for the people around Avery in terms of receivers. Obviously, DJ was great, but uh, we we definitely are going to need more uh, from the receivers going forward um, in terms of uh, beating their coverage. That was probably the biggest issue uh, was uh, beating coverage. Not many were doing that. Jace Brown was the most consistent in the receiving game. Um, Keegan was okay he had three catches for 31 yards that's like an above average keegan johnson game this year which is not the bill of goods that we were sold yeah. uh, uh jaden did get shortchanged on that screen pass that he took to the house and was able to showcase athleticism so i do feel for him there but beyond that he he had some issues so uh but but with avery definitely Definitely some um, could use some extra help on the uh, receiving side. Seth Porter had a drop at one point that I thought was a pass breakup, and then the replay showed he just dropped it. Like yeah. it was right in the bread basket, just didn't came in too hot. Yeah, well, that maybe that'll end up being something they practice in the offseason. Uh, because I, I think that was part of the issue on a couple of those. They weren't used to uh, the uh, the ferocity or the velocity of the uh, of the throws. So it was a good debut for Avery Johnson, but there's another offensive piece that had his debut that Connor and I, well, I'm not going to speak for Connor. I'll let him talk for himself. He's a, he's a grown man. Uh, (laughs) I was more mixed about, and that was the first game of Connor Riley as the offensive coordinator for K-State. I say the first game because he's almost certainly going to get the job. I don't, I don't feel like there – well, there might be a universe out there where he doesn't. I just don't feel like we are in that universe. And I walked away from this performance. Connor can confirm that in the immediate aftermath of the game, I was remarkably unhappy with even the prospect of Connor Riley being the offensive coordinator. I thought – immediately after the game that it would have been a horrible, horrible mistake that limits the ceiling of the offense for short-term gains when you could just get anyone else who's younger or perhaps more creative. I have softened that stance since then. I slept on it. And in short, before I explained the problems that I had with it, am I, am I happy about the hire? No. Not after the NC State performance. And people are going to point to, 
oh, it was a, you know, a top 25 unit, a really good defense, still put up, you know, almost 30 points, could have got 30 if you kick a field goal at the end. Yeah, but the eye test. <laughs> um, but I'm not happy about the hire, but I'm not melting down over it either. Yeah, I was def. I took a similar trajectory as you, where after the game and during the game, I was not in a very good place about. It. I was not particularly happy about uh, how the game was going, how it was being called. Uh, I th- I felt like there were a few situations where some head scratching calls were made. Uh, like I know we had at least one third and long ish where we ran the ball, and I. Didn't really get that because I think it was a third quarter call and we were our offense was just awful in the third we quarter. We had a second and long run to James the James White. Yeah, that that was weird. Um, the whole the whole third quarter was just atrocious uh, for the K State offense. Only picked up uh, looks like fifteen or forty nine yards in that quarter. Yeah, 49 yards in the third quarter. Uh, Suboptimal, I would say. Uh, Punt, punt, punt there. Um, Not very good. Not very good. But we were able to figure it out. Um, Do think it's noteworthy. Again, uh, something you said, Ace, was uh, the um, throw to DJ. Or was it the throw to Jace? I think both. Both. Yeah, both were checks. By Avery, the DJ one was very encouraging because he identified the blitz and he threw into it. That's that made me extremely happy. I, I saw that and I, I was super pleased because that's exactly how you do that. And he's a true freshman. He's already making that read on the fly without having to be told. And that that's huge. I was very happy with that. I was also really happy. Um, and I bet you were especially to see Avery check into a slot fade. <laughs> and because <laughs> We, because you especially have been waiting for us to run slot fade because if it's run properly, it's pretty much unbeatable. Uh, and we got a touchdown out of it. So, shocker. But I will say, though, that especially in the first half, um, the run game was super effective. Uh, late in the game, when we needed to close it, it was effective as well, uh, which isn't too surprising. Connor Riley was the run game coordinator. Uh, so, he did a good job there. Um, NC State made adjustments in the third quarter, which was to be expected. One series or even two of that doesn't annoy me that much, but I felt like we were a little too slow to fully counter. With that being said, though, I do give credence to this being a very tough opponent uh, to have your first game against, Uh, even without Peyton Wilson, even without their nose tackle, whose name I'm forgetting. Uh, this is still really, Clark, I think. I think you're right. I just can't remember. But really, really good team. They didn't say very good defense. Um, I would have liked to see a little more creativity from Riley, but I also understand the perspective that your backup quarterback, I think, was Max Marsh. And because Knuth, I don't think, ended up becoming eligible. At least we didn't hear anything about it. So I completely understand wanting to be a bit more cagey and conservative with your one quarterback on the roster. I can see that line of thinking. 
I can get that. I still think that we could have done a little bit more, but I also, on the flip side again, counter argument, uh, the receivers weren't good, and most of them were not very good. Um, we already lost Philip Brooks. Uh, he opted out for – I don't know why he did that. <laughs> I don't know what he stands to gain from opting out. <laughs> but he um, – that was uh, – Maple apparently has opinions yeah. about it too. Yeah, she is – yeah, the Zoomies right now for some <laughs> reason. And it was a, a, a difficult game for a lot of the receivers. Uh, Seth – uh, was not great in his time as a receiver. Uh, Jaden Jackson still kind of struggling. He, he's obviously a really good athlete, but just isn't able to separate. Keegan kind of playing out of position. Jace was good, uh, but we need more than Jace uh, to, to be good. So it's there's a lot of factors there going against Connor Riley. He still had the whole offensive line coming back, which was huge. And we leaned on that for a lot of the game. We, we said we're going to run the ball a lot. And when we passed the ball, Avery, I think, was still really effective, as effective as he could be without our number one receiver, uh, arguably, at least. Um, without Ben Sennett as well. Uh, so breaking in a lot of new pieces, um, trying to get used to new coordinator tendencies, I, I've definitely lightened my opinion a lot on Connor Riley in this, in the grand scheme. I still don't think this was a great game. Like I'm, I'm still not sitting here. I'm it's, I think it was m- maybe an average game. Uh, if you want to wait for opponent, it was slightly above average because we still hit 400 yards. We were only the third team to do that against NC state this year. Uh, the only other two teams were Notre Dame and I think Marshall did it somehow. They dropped like 41 on yeah. NC State. Mar- I, don't know did Marshall, I don't understand that Marshall game. Yeah, that was kind of an anomaly. I don't know how they did that. But no, we – depend. it really just depends on what lens you want to look at it through. But Connor Riley was uh, – it, it ultimately didn't really change anything for me. Um I, I, I coming away from the hire thinking we maybe could have gotten somebody better. I say coming away from the hire like it's official. It's not official. It may as but, well, but be. It, pretty, it may as well be. Um, I do think it's telling that Avery seems to be very happy with Connor Riley as the OC. I think most of the time that shouldn't matter. I do think it matters in this case. Uh, it, it should absolutely matter to us what Avery Johnson thinks of. Connor Riley, and he seems to be happy with it. Kleiman seems to be happy with it, but Kleiman's been happy with less than stellar offensive coordinators before. <laughs> I am not going to pass judgment yet. I've seen a lot of people saying it was awful, it was the worst performance that we've ever seen. No, it wasn't, but thanks no, to Texas 21 probably still takes the cake. Maybe Iowa State 20. Well, uh, well, yeah. it barely counts. It's code year, it doesn't count. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I would say 20 barely counts. I mean, Nick Ost played quarterback in that game. We can <laughs> we can hardly say anything. But um, I, I I think that maybe some people are being too reactionary in both ways. Uh, I don't think it's time to crown him as the greatest offensive coordinator ever and on the on the line at the same level as uh, Klein. 
but I don't think it's time to ostracize him and say he's not fit for the job. I I came away from this saying that maybe we just don't have enough data yet. Uh, the receivers were not really there. Uh, I mean, we've been working with the same receivers all year, and they've not been good the entire time. The best two consistently from the season were not available. Uh, Wait, you're telling me that Will Howard wasn't the issue with the receivers? I have bad news, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you may want to sit down for this. But, <laughs> but I, I'm just going to kind of have to wait and see right now. I, I'm not ready to ring alarm bells. I get this game in a vacuum. But it took Klein a few games. Uh, LSU defense in 21, that hardly counted as a yeah, count. team. Like they're like that. That was barely a fieldable roster. Uh, that that hardly counts. The this was a much better unit that you had to face uh, with a fairly similar talent level, other than at quarterback, of course, which was far far superior. But you're only as good as the weapons around you. I, I exhibit A, the Kansas City Chiefs, two hours down the road. Oh so, no. So. That that that's my monologue on. I guess I've talked about it long enough. I've been yapping about this for like ten minutes now. So you're good. Um, it's our show. We can go as long as we want. But to me, you touched on a lot of things that I was I was going to talk about. Most notably, his stubbornness in not adjusting and not going away from the running game. And the thing is, there were a few times that I think he called the game backwards where he was calling early running plays in times that they were run blitzing. And if you're most offensive coordinators who granted, this could be an experience thing, but most offensive coordinators would get to that point. It's like, Oh, they're run blitzing me on early downs. I'll just run a screen right behind them. Like that should be the first thing that goes through your mind whenever you're getting constantly run blitzed and it's working. If it's not working, you can keep running, but if it's working, <laughs> The first thought of your mind is like, oh, first down screen, easy. That way you can get into second and short, second and medium. You get into those situations and make them stop blitzing. The thing is with me with Riley is whenever he they whenever NC State did something that Riley clearly did not want them to do, he, he didn't have an answer. Like he they just kept doing it until eventually one of our skulls broke from breaking our heads up against the wall. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for us, their skulls broke first, but it's just sometimes that stuff. But, you know, I could chalk that up to inexperience, and that's with this individual game. My biggest problem with the hire of Connor Riley, and I think it showed in this game, is I don't think that Connor Riley is going to elevate I don't think he's the type of offensive coordinator that's able to elevate the talent via scheming. And I don't think that he's the type that you're going to have like a masterclass game of. Do I think that I'm not going to pull this comp because I don't think it's a fair comparison. And I think the people comparing him to Courtney Messingham is are being overly reactionary to one game where one quarter they didn't like happened. I don't think he's Courtney Messingham. I think he's better. But, you know, that's a one sample size. That's a game of one sample size. But the thing that they both have in common 
is I don't think either of them are going to be offensive coordinators that you look at and say, that is like a genius offensive mind. That is an offensive mind who can get the most out of every single player on the field at any given time. And I let, let me clarify something that I think those those offensive coordinators are incredibly, incredibly rare. Those aren't guys that you can just go and find somewhere. Like you're, they're not walking around Walmart most of the time. Like it, you, those are really rare guys. So am I am I being unfair with Connor Riley in giving him that after one game? Probably, but at the same time. I think it is a safe hire that lacks any degree of flash. And I think that this game is almost exactly what you can expect on a game-to-game basis from Connor Riley, with the exception of maybe he, when he gets more time to install, he gets more creative with, you know, oh, they're blitzing me on early running downs. If he can figure out counter punches just like that, I'm fine with the hire. I'd, I'd even say it's a solid hire. I wouldn't say it's a good one, but I'd say it's solid if he can figure that out. But it's just, it's a hire that's hard to get excited about. And I don't think this game does anything to make me excited. Yeah, and I, I think that's a pretty fair take. And I, I was pretty annoyed with the I, I think you called it stubbornness um i i i felt like at times we were being a little bit stubborn in our play calling um and that's a little concerning um because we've seen that before I, I think every offensive coordinator is probably prone to that to some degree uh because to be an offensive coordinator you kind of have to believe that the the plan that you made is going to work so adjusting, you have to you have to admit that your plan isn't working anymore. I guess, yeah, at least a certain degree. Um, but first game, he he can grow. I I think, I I think that the perfect game to start with would be a bowl game because uh, now he has until I think September seventh uh, to figure it out and uh, mess with the playbook the way that he wants to and really put together the uh, packages that he wants. I imagine we're going to see a fairly similar playbook to what we have with Colin Klein. I, I imagine there's very little alterations made in, in that department because I, I don't see a reason to mess with that and spend the whole offseason doing install on the brand-new playbook. That would be a waste of time, I think, especially with Avery. Have him learn a new system for the whole year and then – right after his first season say, all right, we're going to do that again. You know, that, that wastes some time. So I, I, I think it's just going to come down to how can he develop his situational awareness. And I think that there were definitely times where he struggled with that, but at the same time, you know, he could have been worse. I, I think I, he had a bad stretch, but I think that he all in all washed out to having a, an average game. I think, uh, we should have adjusted earlier, I think, in the second half uh, to the run game uh, kind of being keyed in on. I, I get some of that as just personnel limitations, but I 
I, I'm not like terrified of this hire. I definitely feel better about it than I did right after the game. Right after the game, I was not particularly happy. But you you sleep on it. And of course, winning heals all problems. So might feel a lot differently if we'd lost. But it's uh, still coming away with a win. Avery Johnson's still the quarterback. We still have Jace Brown. We still have DJ Giddens. Offensive line's a question. I don't have issues with his ability to find the right guys there, even if it may take us a month to figure it out, um, to, or at least the, the guys on the line to gel. Hopefully we can skip that part of the development this year. But <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> that really would be. But this all in all was an okay game. Uh, but if nothing else, I, I can see the potential is there. And I, I do agree with you, though. It, it's hard to see him elevating uh, Avery, which is what I would like to see from an offensive coordinator. So I'm a little worried from that perspective that we're not getting the absolute most out of Avery, but it remains to be seen. I still think it's a little early to judge. I was hoping to come away with a stronger opinion from this game, but he kind of like met the minimum and a little more from what I wanted. And it's kind of left me saying, well, I don't know what to think now. So yeah, if you were not happy about the hire immediately after the game. I'm not sure I could put into words in comparison as to how I was feeling. Because <laughs> um, immediately afterwards, all of my gut reactions were, oh, this is going to be a disaster. I don't think it'll be a disaster. I think it'll be fine. I just don't think that you're going to get, I think you're going to get all of the negatives of Colin Klein with maybe 75% of the positives, which that's still a solid offensive coordinator, but that sort of leads us into game day grades where we go through every single position group, including coordinators, giving them a grade from F minus to a plus F minus nearly meaning they near single-handedly lost us the game. A plus meaning they near single-handedly won us the game. And because we're on the topic right now, and we already mentioned how we wanted to grade Connor Riley, we'll just go ahead and start with the coordinators. I ended up giving Connor Riley a C minus. I thought it was a below average performance and that is adjusting for him being a first time offensive coordinator going up against a really solid defense. I thought this was a performance that you can shrug your shoulders and say, okay, I guess at if that third quarter, if we gained maybe 120 yards instead of 50, yards in that third quarter that almost single-handedly would have brought it up to a B and I would be singing Connor Riley's praises but it's just the fact that it literally I said it earlier it felt like we were both both teams were just bashing their heads up against brick walls and whoever you know whoever skull broke first would end up being the loser and we just happened to be more thick-headed than they were and it, it did feel like that in the third quarter but I mean adjusting for everything I feel like it's a marginally below average performance, so I gave him a C minus. I gave him a C plus. Uh, I was originally thinking last night when I was thinking about what to give him, I was thinking in the C minus a D plus range, and I woke up with clarity, and I still didn't give him a very good grade, but it, it translated to ever so slightly above average. I felt. 
uh, considered, you know, the limitations with opt-outs at the skill positions. I considered the quality of the defense that he was facing. I also considered some of the drawbacks that he had. I thought about that really bad third quarter. I thought about him being a little slow to adjust and some stubbornness. Uh, but I also thought about how Avery was the only actual quarterback on the roster. So I ultimately weighing everything came out to slightly above average. Uh, the run game was pretty good for most of the game. Uh, and I, I think he had a lot to do with that. Uh, struggled in the third quarter and stuck with it for too long. Um, but wasn't awful. Uh, definitely could have been a lot worse, but definitely could have been a lot better. So C plus. Yeah. Joe Kleinerman's an interesting grade because if you're grading the back half, he doesn't get credit for the special teams, by the way. Uh, if you're grading the back half of the game, he would have gotten an A plus. And in the first half of the game, I feel like he would have gotten like a pretty solid A minus A grade because a lot of what he was doing was just the only complaint that I have for his game was it took him a really long time to figure out that Brennan Armstrong was not going to beat us with his arm exclusively. So they literally came out with the KU with Cole Ballard game plan where they just sort of ran the quarterback and had it work, which was really frustrating because the counter to that is just kind of sit back and stay disciplined in your running lanes. Stop blitzing basically. Um, and you know, he wanted to keep blitzing him. He wanted to keep leaving guys on islands and that did lead us getting burnt a little bit, but we figured it out in the second half and that was fine. I think wasn't the only score they got on the fake punt. In the uh, second half. Um, I think they got a field goal. Okay. Yeah, they got a field goal on their first drive in the second half. Okay. That's it. Yeah, I eh, I get it. I ended up giving him an A just because I think it balanced out. And while he was slow to adjust in the first half, the second half was killer on his part, at least. Yeah, I gave him an A as well. Uh, I was so frustrated with Brennan Armstrong in the first half that I was thinking about giving him like a B plus. But I, uh, going back and seeing that he really only did have like like the defense was bad for a total of maybe eight minutes in this entire game and i i think they deserve a lot of credit for that because i mean all of nc state's points uh on offense came in between the three minute 22 mark of the second quarter and the 12 minute 51 mark of the third quarter uh the fake punt uh, that was near the tail end of the third. And that is not on a clan of the first. So, yeah, I gave him an A. The defense was really good. It was very frustrating to watch Brennan Armstrong uh, run all over us uh, for the first half. But we really figured it out. I think he ended up losing rushing yards in the second half. I still finished with 121 which is more than he should have had, but we really locked down there. So he gets an A. Yeah. Now moving on to the offensive players, starting with the quarterback, we sort of talked about Avery's performance already. I am going to be harsh because I think he deserves it. I, I mean, I think he deserves honesty at this point. I ended up giving him a B plus and I could have moved that up to an A minus. I could have been convinced adjusting for the true freshman part. 
But really, there were a few things that kept me from doing that. Uh, a couple of his throwaways, I felt like there probably were opportunities for him to just scramble instead. And I know he was probably told, hey, protect yourself, kid. And that's not on him. But even then, there were a few times like constantly doing play action to the wrong side, which, while funny, is also very frustrating. Um, and there were a few times that he was just a hair late on what would have been a completion. So really, it's it's a bunch of true freshman mistakes that sort of compounded in the fact that I think he was a little hesitant to use his legs outside of a few situations, which, again, that could be a personal choice. That could have been coaches saying, hey, you're our only you're at minimum our only quarterback that has playing experience on this roster right now. Um, so I ended up giving him a B plus, which is harsh. But again, it's because I have such high expectations for him. Yeah, I give him an A minus. Um, I, I do agree. There was, I think, one throwaway in particular where he couldn't have gotten much, but it was like maybe three yards and the offense wasn't doing so great uh, at that point. And we, we needed all the yards we could get. But I, I do agree. I think he was probably told uh, to be a very, very safe because he did take a hard hit at one point in the first half, I think. Uh, I imagine after that he was told to play it very safe. And I get it. But yeah, he missed a couple of throws deep by just a little bit. Uh, he had a throw to Oakley over the middle that would have been completed, but it was just a little late. Based on how we've seen other true freshmen playing, it's honestly hard to call those freshman mistakes. At this point, it feels like redshirt sophomore mistakes. Yeah. Just off of how like Jackson Arnold uh, was performing, how both the Ohio State quarterbacks were performing. Um, um, Avery, based on the other true freshmen that we've been seeing this year, he's advanced. He he is beyond what the other what his peers have been doing. Really, uh, like guys that were rated higher than him, like Dante Moore. Uh, Dante Moore is in the portal already, and he wasn't very good this year. I thought so, he committed to uh, Oregon. Dante Moore? Well, he was at UCLA. Did he commit to Oregon though, out of the portal? I think so. Okay, well, I, I he he entered the portal. He, he was in the portal. Your point still stands. Yeah. So he, uh, uh, Avery's outperforming uh, his uh, classmates uh, at this point. Uh, so it's, but but he still had some things that he could have done differently, for sure. But all in all, I think there were more errors from other areas of the offense than from Avery himself. So I give him an A minus. Yeah. Running back, also known as DJ Giddens. There is nothing that I can complain about DJ Giddens that I truly would say is his fault. I think a lot of it is just kind of getting put in bad situations by the play calling. Unfortunately, that is going to cost him his A+, but he does earn a very, very solid A, nearing A+. Just I Someday we're going to have to do a DJ Giddens is really, really good video. <laughs> I gave him an A plus because he had 150 rushing yards. He had a long receiving touchdown, which granted most of that was Avery Johnson uh, checking the play, but he still had to do his part. Uh, he was awesome, and he struggled in the second half, but there was almost nothing he could do, and he was still making the most out of some pretty bad uh, calls at points and some uh, just bad situations where – 
So it was looking like he gets stonewalled, but he still managed to get a couple. So I give him an A plus. Um, good for you, DJ. He he's awesome. He's really really good. Yep. Receivers uh, saved from a lower grade by Jace Brown catching a slot fade. That is, uh, I think that's the best way to describe the grade. They didn't do anything to really wow me outside of Jaden Jackson getting screwed out of a touchdown because Garrett Oakley blocked someone too well. But, uh, and that that's not a bit, like he actually did just block someone too well and got called for a flag on it. Um, they didn't do anything to impress me. And we also didn't see any Trace Bybee that I remember, which is really makes me sad. But um, D plus, like they didn't do anything to really make me happy. Like they they were fine. Jace Brown caught a good ball, but D plus. I give him a C exclusively because of Jace Brown having a fairly solid day. Uh, Keegan was fine. He had I think a nice third down grab at one point, but. Yeah, it was a rough day. Seth Porter had a bad drop. Uh, Jaden had a bad drop. Uh, yeah, more the same from the receiving room. Sands, Jace Brown, because he continues to outperform everybody in the room by a lot. Uh, but Trace Bivey, not seeing him, is still very concerning at this point. I, I'm not going to panic about it because I still think it's too early because he's a true freshman but it definitely is a little eyebrow raising that we have not been seeing more of him given the uh, uh, perceived talent level of the receivers in the room right now. Uh, but Jace individually probably gets like a B or B plus mainly due to the clutch nature of his touchdown and probably should have had a second touchdown earlier in the game, but it was just a slight overthrow that probably would have put him up over a hundred. But so they get to see for me. If I wanted to be harsh, I could very easily have gone lower though. Yeah. Tight ends. I know this hurts you, Connor. Uh, they did very similar to the receivers. They did not a lot. Garrett Oakley had two catches for 35 yards, which is basically what is saving them from an F for me. Um, they had a few penalties. I'm not just counting the one. That would probably shouldn't have been a penalty on Oakley. I'm counting Will Swanson false starting, I think, twice. But it they just didn't do anything to really wow me. I ended up giving them a D because Garrett Oakley did look good on the two passes that he had, but that's almost entirely canceled out by the fact that he dropped a very beautiful and well-called screen pass, which I know hurts your soul. Yeah, I, I was very disappointed. Uh when that happened, because I, I love the tight end screen, especially to Garrett Oakley, because I think he's incredible. But uh, I gave him a C minus. Uh, PFF says Will Swanson did not commit any penalties, which I could have sworn he had a couple false starts, but I'm going to believe did. them for the sake of my narrative. And uh, so I'm giving him a C minus. The drop was brutal because I was a third down, uh, but he still had a really nice catch uh, where he had to adjust a little bit, uh, like a 28 yard grab. At one point, he should have had another catch, but Avery was just a little late. It was one of the very few actual real mistakes he made. And they, I think, were at least serviceable blocking. Uh, Oakley got in trouble for blocking too good, like you said. Um, so I, I, I give him a little redemption for that. Uh, but still, 
not the best day from the tight ends in their first game without Ben Sinnott, but they've got a whole offseason to work on it now. I'm very high on the room going forward. Yeah. Offensive line, I felt, had a really, really good game despite the third quarter. I think every time that they did something poorly or a run wasn't gaining a bunch of yards, it is because it was basically not their fault at all. Because there's only so much that five people can do when they're blitzing six on a run down. Other than those downs where the blitz just happened to be there, they were exceptional giving Avery as much time as he needed and also giving him a constant out lane if he needed it. I gave them an A plus like this was an exceptional performance for the last of this offensive line. And of course, Cooper Beebe ending his K-State career fittingly with a pancake. So a plus for me. Yeah, I give him an A plus too. Most of it was because of the pancake, but they, they were awesome. Cooper Beebe goes out with a fantastic game. Uh, Duffy, he got 32 snaps in, and this one uh, was the fifth highest graded guy on the team with a 63.7. He was the only offensive lineman to have a pass blocking grade below 60 on PFF, which is average. And it was still really close, a 57.3. Everyone else was uh, at least a 69.6, so pretty good. Uh, from the rest of the offensive line. Uh, most everyone was above 70, but they were really good. Run blocking could have been better in the third quarter, like you said, but again, also like you said, there's only so much you can do when they're completely selling out and we're not adjusting. Uh, pass blocking was great. Uh, Carver Willis, uh, I'll give him a shout just because of how much better he got this year. He actually had the highest pass block grade on the team in this game, 82.6. Uh, Carver Willis, he was the uh, bane of many K-State fans' existence after the non-conference. And uh, over the course of the year has gone from uh, um, public enemy number one to a very promising stalwart of the offensive line going forward and pretty much a shoe-in to be a starter at tackle next year. So quite a comeback story for him across this season. A really great performance and a really nice send-off for the whole line. Yep. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line, I really only have one comment. They got pressure but couldn't convert a lot of them into stacks. I gave them an A-. minus. I gave them a B. Um the this game for some reason it felt more obvious than normal uh that our defensive ends were undersized and i think some of that may have had to do with uh uso being out damian elalio was pretty solid and actually quite good at times in relief uh getting 12 pressures was good as well gdobis were uh got half a sack uh so that was just i think his second tackle of his career um, but all in all, it was a fine game, like slightly above average. They struggled at times, uh, but this was definitely not the worst game I've seen from them. It just wasn't the best game I've ever seen from them, but it was pretty good. And Brendan Ma had a few nice pressures in particular. Uh, he had a really nice spin move at one point, I think is what it was, but just weren't getting home quite enough, which is kind of the story of our life with K-State blitzes. We're always getting pressures, always getting hurries. But this year, just haven't been converting them. 
And sometimes it's just how the cookie crumbles. So they get to be. Yeah. Linebackers, I felt had a pretty solid uh, performance. The only complaint is sometimes they weren't filling their gaps up against QB run, which other times they were getting blocked by a running back. So, and other times they were just told to blitz in the wrong direction. But other than that, I thought they were generally pretty solid. Des Purnell is making an argument already for being preseason all big 12 this upcoming season. He's an absolute freak of nature at that linebacker spot, especially now that he's getting more comfortable in it. I'm still going to consider Toby Osinsanmi a linebacker for the time being, uh, even though he was just playing true edge. I'm going to say it now, and it's the last thing I'll say about the linebackers. I would really appreciate if we use Toby as a true edge rather than using him on the same stunt like four or five times a game where he's literally the decoy guy for someone considerably slower than he is. That's it. That's it. I gave them an A. <laughs> I gave them a B plus. Um was pretty happy with them for the most part. Um, uh, Des Purnell in particular, I thought he was good. Uh, I think he had a pretty bad missed tackle at one point, but uh, beyond that, uh, was otherwise pretty good. Austin Moore had, um, despite what PFF says, I think he had one of his better games in a while. Uh, Bo Palmer was good. He and Austin Moore combined for a nice tackle for loss at one point. Uh, Romain uh, was pretty good, quietly pretty good, I would say. Uh, but he had a few games recently where he just wasn't all that. But this was kind of a bounce back game for Austin Roman. And I think the linebackers are probably just happy to make it through this game without additional injuries because uh, <laughs> they're just absolutely battered right now. But I'm not concerned about the room once everybody gets healthy. Uh, we need Asa Newsome healthy. We need Jay Clifton healthy. Um, but I think another offseason for these guys will be huge. Um, very happy about the future of this room. Just got to stay healthy, knock on wood. Yeah. Now, last up is the defensive backs, and this is another time where I wish we separated them between safeties and cornerbacks because if this was safeties, it would be an A+, and if it was corners, it'd be like a B. Uh, to me, it averaged out to an A-. minus. The safeties probably had their best game of the year with the combination of VJ Payne, Marquis Siegel, and Colby McAllister. I think the big surprise out of those two, I expected VJ Payne to be good. I expect Marquis Siegel to be good, despite the fact that you know he, he collected angst at the beginning of the season. Colby McAllister was the big surprise to me. He played really well in in the you know being thrust into starting action, unex, quote unquote, unexpectedly. Um, yeah, also VJ Payne killed someone, so that was really funny. Um, but the corners, Parrish regressed from the end of this year, from the end of last year. Last year, he was he was really good. He was like a genuinely, I wouldn't say he was a pure shutdown corner because he was the third corner, but he was a genuinely solid option that you could rely on just about any down. He's regressed to a consistent, but... He's turned into a consistent outside corner. Uh, Keenan Garber somehow is a solid corner where the only flaw to his game is he cannot turn his head around to save his life. Uh, and if that's your only flaw as a corner, that sucks, but fine. I, I It balanced out to an A- minus to me, but I, I have to give the safety room their roses because they had an awesome game. Yep. I had similar thoughts. I give him an A. 
the only thing holding him back really was uh, Jacob Parrish uh, getting burnt a couple of times. And Keenan got burnt once, but his was just more tough luck. Jacob's was just kind of not very good coverage. Uh, but safeties were incredible in this game. I mean, VJ had the huge hit where Brennan Armstrong literally like flew. He like rotated in place. He was like in zero gravity for a second. And uh, Siegel was awesome in this game. He has been been great since the non-conference. And expectations are going to be high for him going into next year. And Colby McAllister, like you said, kind of coming out of nowhere to be really, really quality this game. Jack Fabris logged four snaps and was pretty solid. He logged two tackles in his uh, uh, four snaps. So very eventful uh, four snaps for Jack Fabris. Uh, Daniel Cobbs logged a few snaps as well. Um, Trey Krause was in for two snaps. He got targeted once, gave up a catch for 11 yards. I don't remember that happening. but I don't either. But he, by God, PFF says he played. So <laughs> I, I'll take their word for it. But, yeah, defensive backs were really quality. Justice James played too, and he was pretty solid. He made a couple notable tackles. Uh, one where it looked like he got injured, but then he got up and was completely fine. And like, like he just like it was just a really awkward tackle, but he was totally fine. So they get an A for me. They were really great. Uh, only gave up a couple of deep shots, and otherwise kept out everything in front of them. They tackled really well for the most part. Good stuff. Yep. So to me, the biggest takeaway, other than what we've already talked about, is. You know, we'll we will do a season recap episode with a, a Q and A. So we'll save a lot of our season thoughts for that. Uh, we already did a miniature season's thoughts at the end of the Iowa State episode, but I feel like we were probably lower on the season than perhaps we should have been at the end of that episode. Uh, and that's why we're not doing a season recap at the end of this one because then we'd end up higher than we probably should be. Um, it's it's better to leave the season off on a win and open the Avery Johnson era with a win where he showed flashes of I am I really going to be the person to say pump the brakes on him being the future of college football next year do I have to be that guy I was very surprised to see the commentators and uh seemingly kind of some of the college sports world I really kind of get behind Avery Johnson and start hyping him up. We haven't seen that at K-State in a while. As far as I can remember, I can't really remember that ever really happening. Uh, so I'm pleasantly surprised by that. I will let them do that. But it's not going to come down to Avery. It's going to come down to uh, the weapons that we have around him. Can we get the most athletic guys on the field? Do we have players that can get open for him? But uh, that that's going to be my biggest question, not – does Avery have the talent? Because I think he does. I think he does have the talent to be who they think he can. But the quarterback can only do so much if no one's looking to open. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really excited to see what Avery does next year. I'm really excited to see what evolutions, if any, come out of the, the Connor Riley era as offensive coordinator. It would be really, really funny. Uh, if we said all of that and he doesn't end up being the OC, it'd be objectively hilarious. I don't think it's going to happen, but 
yeah, I, I, there's not much I can really say without going into the whole season recap thing, which we'll do, we'll do sometime soon, but we'll pair it with an ask the alley cats segment. So do you have any final thoughts for the bowl game or the season before we let these wonderful people get on with their day? Well, so don't forget that we beat uh, the number 18 team in the country. So that has a win to be proud of. Um, despite uh, Peyton Wilson opting out, that was still a really good unit. And that was one of the big things we said even before we knew Peyton Wilson was opting out was that as a unit, they are just so sound and so disciplined. So we were facing a very similar team. Um, and we we shouldn't let that slide or say, oh, we beat like a weekend NC State team because of opt-outs. We had our own opt-outs. We had our own transfers. We had our own issues. Uh, that was a quality win. That was a really good win to end the season on. One of our best bowl wins in a while. And I, I think that we should maybe not lose sight of that because I think that we're maybe underrating uh, this win right now. Because, uh, I mean, we beat LSU back in 21. Uh, before that, we beat like UCLA in 17. Then I can't, it gets foggy after that. But this is a really quality bowl victory. So let's uh, let's be happy with it and get into the offseason and see who else we can grab out of the portal to complete this roster. Yeah. In the meantime, alongside following portal recruiting, let's follow the, the Catsketball teams, especially the women's team. Yeah, huge conference slate coming up for them. The day that this releases, if you're listening in the morning, they play a one on the road. It's against Cincinnati. They have Texas coming up at home. Uh, they have KU coming up at home. Uh, those are, I think, on the 13th and the 20th, respectively, uh, both Saturdays. So make your way to Manhattan, make a day out of it. They're both on either Saturdays or Sundays. Don't take my – just check the schedule. Uh, everyone listening to this has internet access. And so it's it, it's going to be a huge season for the women's team. So I, I hope that we're able to get out and support them. And Backcats on the horizon. Uh, about a month and a half away at this point. So yeah. we'll we'll have to do a Batcats preview. I cannot wait. That's gonna be fun. And have a disproportionate amount of the players and their parents listen to us. But <laughs> with all that said, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville ACATS. And if you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us more personally, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in our podcast and Twitter bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>